welcome to my podcast. This is your host, Ray Lloyd, and this is All The Things. Hi, guys. So um, this is probably one of the podcasts I never thought to do, but is probably going to be one of my most important and impactful episodes for me. Um, and you know, I was thinking about it before I had you come on Rafi is that I usually don't feel the need to introduce the person more than just, Hey, this is who they are. This is what they do where I kind of like that anonymity. I don't even know if I said that right, but it's kind of like the voice, you know, where no one can see you, which is nice, but I felt the need to actually introduce people to who I'm talking to because not being able to see you actually matters. Um, and so, and I will tell you for everyone who's listening, if there's any Karens out there, I was very, very specific to ask Rafi how he wanted to be introduced. And he, so he said, he felt comfortable with the term African-American. Um, so you can't see us right now, but that is an important factor here. And he's also Jewish, which is another important factor. I find it actually quite fascinating. So first of all, thank you so much for agreeing to do this. And why don't you tell the people um, a little bit about you, like, you know, wh- how you came to be, where you come from, and, um, you know, kind of just introduce yourself. Um, I come from Crown Heights, New York. I am the sixth sixth child of parents that both went through Gayrim in their teen years, went through Gayrim in their teen years in Crown Heights. Uh, we were one of the first, uh, I think there was one other um, African-American Jewish family that also came through Root that was there. Uh, but yeah, it was pretty, we were pretty much the first in Crown Heights. This was 45 years ago, almost 50 years ago. Um, so I have five older sisters. I, was, uh, I have a twin sister. I was the youngest, me and my twin. And I didn't really grow up in Crown Heights. I was born there. I moved out. We moved out to North Carolina when I was young, when I was four. So I came out partly in Charlotte, North Carolina, partly in rural uh, Rocky Mountain, North Carolina. Um, Also, we moved to St. Louis again when I was eight. So I came up mostly, I'd say half and half in North Carolina and St. Louis. St. Louis from age 10 to 18, uh, nine or 10 to 18. So I always came up in Yeshiva in Charlotte and St. Louis. Um, always been an Orthodox Jewish community. It's all I know. I'm not all I know. I have my experience on um, on the other side of the fence as well. Like for instance, haircuts, playing basketball, um, even shopping in some ways. Like like I live on both. You know, in both worlds, I guess you'd say. Uh, but mostly in the Orthodox Jewish world, it's really how I came up. It's what I know. And it's my, it's my, uh, my network. So, um, I just, I'm uh, just an average yid, you know, <laughs> just an average yid, a little darker than most. I guess. <laughs> um, that's really it. That's, uh, I went to Yeshiva in Israel for a little while, which was awesome. Uh, almost made Aliyah came back and like got stuck you know how that goes uh yeah that's pretty much it that's about, so i do have a i have a unique experience for sure i do know that i know my family has had a unique experience especially like you know because we it's we've been doing this for so long <clears throat> so like in the orthodox community being in an orthodox yeshiva you know like the, the, it's, the, it's a unique experience. You know, I was the first African-American person. I was the first African-American person most of these people could call a friend in their life. You know what I mean? Like, they don't have that experience with, like, with non-Jews. Like, there's this uh, separation between the two worlds, non-Jewish world and the Jewish world. Like, there's almost this, and especially in the Orthodox world, I find that there's this, um, you know, there's this emphasis on make on make it, on anything that's different being shunned or or almost like sinful 
So that causes a unique, <laughs> that causes a unique challenge when what you've been taught and never maybe expected to, you know, see as your own, something that you've been taught is goyish, being black, especially in a place like Crown Heights, where it's like literally Jews and black people only. Like, like there's non-Jewish black people. There's, that's, the, that's the demographic, the two demographics there. So everything that is non-Jewish is black, you know? And why, why would you ever think not? Why would you ever think different? Why, is, why would that, why, when has that reality been challenged for you, you know? And, well, you know, hell, hi, what's up? I'm Rafi, <laughs> nice to meet you. Like, I'm just here to dive in, really, just r- passing through. And then that whole reality gets challenged. It's like, whoa, wait, what I was taught was goyish is now standing next to me and it's I, I don't expect you know i don't know i don't expect that to happen overnight that people to you know i actually do if you claim to be jewish i do expect it but in my experience all my life in the orthodox jewish community uh you know it, it's gonna it might take a little time it might take a little time you know uh, especially for the older generations the younger generation i don't think yeah, I, I, you know, I think the, the younger generation today needs just a, just a little bit more support in, in speaking their truth out loud and unashamed, you know, like that. The young, the youth, I think are going to get it. I think they, they know the world is not so small for them anymore. So it's, it's almost impossible to keep the world tiny anymore, anymore for, for the next generation. So, um, yeah, for the old, you know, they say you can't teach an old dog new tricks, but some people, it's going to be, have to really be a process of, uh, of it's going to have to be a process of dismantling a reality that they were raised to, to you know, raised to believe in, raised to, 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 to know is true. They have to, that has to be dismantled and then rebuilt, which I don't know, it doesn't happen instantly. Sometimes it does, but. Yeah, it's a challenge to a reality that 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 we've a false reality that we've kind of like got lulled into. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that's what the world is currently going through. Is you know we need to dismantle some things. Um, I wonder if in you know I say our community, um, if it's not as loud, if it needs to be louder, you know. Um, I'm curious if you remember the first time you had an experience with feeling, I guess, different. Was that something you were always aware of or was there a specific instance where you were like, oh? Um, it was actually at a really young age, a very young age. I must have been like, I was still in Crown Heights. So I must have been like, I must have been three or four I don't have many memories from that from that time, but yeah, I do remember being uh, you know the first time I was called uh, Schwarza, you know, by the kids playing outside at Shul, or or the first or I was called like Yucky. Um, I I remember that. I remember, and I remember cause what I really remember is going to my mom and asking her like, why? What did I like? What uh like? did brown people do do something to them like i thought like something bad happened like why why are they acting that way i didn't understand it as a kid i like why like like it was it was strange but i'm thankful the way my mother handled it was that she kind of explained to me from an early age not to judge judaism by jews like not to let not that these kids obviously haven't been taught Torah and a perspective from a, from a Derek Eretz perspective. Like they don't have it in that way. Um, I knew that, like, I, I didn't think, Oh, Judaism's, I remember that. I remember that's why I guess I, I lasted through it. Or I, I still last to this day through it because, um, it, I, you know, to me, it's a, it's ironic and, it's an oxymoron. Like you can't be racist and Jewish. You, you, what, well, something's missing there, you know, <laughs> like I, there's too much emphasis in the Torah that like should be tied. I'm talking like that's just actually written that you can look at, like you can see the most repeated mitzvah in the Torah. 
that's how we treat others, the stranger. Like, how can you be Jewish and racist? Or, or even how can you even claim to know Hashem? And the more you know about Hashem, the more you know you don't know. And, the, you know, the more we study Hashem, the more we realize how much it's impossible to know. And that's okay. It's impossible to know everything, even the guy who's standing right next to you. There's Hashem in him too. That's like that's why it's emphasized over and over again, and why we sit every year at our at our dining room tables with fine china on Pesach and eat flatbread. You know, eat eat flatbread and and cry from horseradish. Like, are we are we missing? Like, we that we do that every single year to remember that we were once strangers and to remind us that we should always and forever fight for the stranger and treat fight for his rights and his humanity because that's who we were once. Hashem himself had to step in himself personally, wreck the country with crazy miracles and mako because they, we Jewish people lived in a world where those in power said, no, we don't have to treat all people the same. And matter of fact, because we're fearful of these Hebrew, you know, Israelites, these Yudim, why we got to remember what was the reason why Paro put B'nai Israel in chains? If you look, you'll see that it was fear compounded by fear. He, he they were worried. His advisors told him that if we were attacked, if we if Mitzrayim is attacked by a foreign nation then maybe these people will side with them and we'll lose whatever war comes. It's a double negative. If we're attacked, no one's attacking right now. There is no reason to believe we're going to be attacked, but it's a fear. It's a possibility. If we were to be attacked, you're already fearful. Then maybe, maybe you're going to, you assume that it's possible that they'll side with the enemy. And that's a reason to put a, an entire nation of people in chains and take away their human dignity, take away, take away their humanity, take away their purpose. Why Hashem put us here? We, we, that, you know, the core of Pesach, the core of what it means to remember that every single year and to like not even be Yote unless you live it is like, I think a lot of it might be lost in what we call conventionally quote unquote orthodox community, you know? It's also interesting space that I'm in because you can't call me anti-Semitic. You can't call me like you can't you can't say like if I if, I don't know, <laughs> you'll have a hard time making the case that I am anti-Semitic because I'm Jewish. Very and I take my beliefs very seriously. And I'm willing and open to have a conversation with anybody who'd like to, you know. I'm open I love I love that. But you can't say I'm, you know, the things that I'm saying are are it's anti-Jewish. It's not anti-Jewish. It's just, it's a matter of fact, the opposite. You know, it's, it's about the people claiming Judaism, but not necessarily behaving that way. So that's why, you know, that's what I was saying earlier. How do we identify with what it means to be Jewish? What does that even mean? If you were raised to believe that it's white, okay, but that's not true. And that needs, you know, that's a, that needs to be said. And, and that needs, if you're fearful of that, just... You know, you got to just face it. It's so much less to it than we think. You just face it because then you realize there's actually not much to be afraid of, if anything. There's really nothing to be afraid of at all, you know, but it's a fear that we got to deal with. And fear is a real issue. Fear is a real problem. If you're fearful of a people or you're fearful of someone, that is, uh, you know, it makes it easier to not see him. You know, or to not be aware or to be consent. I can have, if it's not affecting you, then you could consent to it, you know. But I also am a, um, I'm a, I consider myself a student of history. I love history and the story of, of especially this, this, this narrative of the other and how he survives and, and all over the world, how that story keeps playing itself out. And I note, and you'll notice that, you know, Jewish people, without a doubt, almost, almost across the board, are always involved at the center of, a social, of social justice movements. Always. Like, I mean, we don't have to go that, back that far. Just in the civil rights movement, so many Jewish people were involved, like they understood, right? 
But my question becomes like, where, how come I don't, where are all the, the rabbis in the from community? Like, or if, if you're from, why, why would they not be on the front lines with the, with the biggest signs? Like, you know, more than everybody, how important that is. You know how more, you know that it's the most repeated mitzvah in the Torah. If you're from, you should know that. Or, and that, you know, but for some reason, it didn't make it into the, uh, it didn't make it into what we conventionally believe to be from. Like if you're a good, if you're a, if you're, if you fight for social justice, meaning risk your life, risk your job, risk, risk your safety, risk your family, risk any kind of risk to make a stand and try to make a change for the better of your, for the betterment of your brother or the other, the stranger, how come that is not what makes you from today? Why would that, why does that not something that is like, all right, if you don't do that, like we, if you eat a cheeseburger, you will be kicked out of the community. <laughs> like do not pass go, do not collect, like you're not, you're, you won't even, people will shun, you'll be shunned by the community. For eating a cheeseburger, for eating trafe. Okay, trafe is very important. I'm not taking nothing away from trafe. But if you treat people, if you treat other people, especially strangers, like garbage, are you still from? I don't know. I, I, I think it's just something we don't really talk about. But I think it's a good question. And I'm glad my parents raised me to think, to ponder these things and think about these things from a young age because it kept me sane through it all. It's like, oh, wow, there's this huge, like, there's this huge challenge that's in front of us that could, could, be, could be a precedent, an example for the world. Could be. Depends on the choices we make, uh, just the choices we make. We could, we could make the, we could set an example for the world to show how this can be done. That two that worlds that that, that we we're taught should collide actually could work in harmony and perfect harmony and unity and joy and space for each other and like fearless you know what I mean we can do that and if we do that we could uh, uh, you'd be an example <laughs> you know we really could I I do believe that I do believe that so. You know, I took the blue pill. <laughs> There's no turning back. You know, we got to make this right. Is that something you've experienced? Like, I guess in your experience, has that been, has it been more negative than positive in in the Jewish community? Um, Honestly, it stopped being so negative. It was it was negative a lot more negative in my younger years like in my teenage early like early twenties like it was much more uh, negative to in my mind but I realized later on when I realized how much racism is stems from fear and not hatred like. When I realized that, wow, you know, and I guess I realized that from how many people I've met in my life, how very, so many um, people I've met in my life that have never known a black person before and had their, you know, preconceived notions about what that is and what that means. And they'll have, they've even told me straight out, you know, like, like I had no idea and they've even apologized you know, for the way that they came into our meeting. And, you know, into our being acquainted. So I know that it's, you know, it's, it, I, I can have a little, it seemed, it turned into Rahmanut as opposed to like anger because I realized like, oh, it's almost like a child, like a child that doesn't know better. You know, you don't get, you know, you don't get angry. You don't hate the kid. The kid didn't know. He doesn't know. Well, you gotta, but you gotta teach him. But the only way to teach him, you can't, you can, you know, you have to teach the, the kid though. The kid must be taught. You can't, it can't be like, you know, tucked under the rug or we don't want to talk about it or deal. No fear, fearless, fearless approach. Back to, let's get back to basics. Because not only Jews know how serious 
the way we treat strangers is in the Bible because Christian, uh, Christians and Muslims do too. That's pretty much, that's a lot of folks out here that all can agree on that. With everything that we disagree on, we can agree on that much. Bereshit, we can agree on that. Genesis, before we get to the stuff we don't agree on, let's just talk about that. And then we'll find that, you know, the world could look a whole lot different if we focus first on the things we agree on and then that's what, you know, we'll get to arguing and going back and forth and my red tie, blue tie blue tie you'll get to all of that after yeah but think about what the world would look like if everybody took that seriously who claims or claims you know to be serious about their belief to take how we treat the stranger and how that means not sitting by idly when it's happening it's because it's not you you know but that at the same time that's really insane to say about the Ashkenaz Jewish community because of what they came here from, like how what you've been through, like your parents. That was just your parents. So like, no way, right? No way could you could you forget that quick. But we, uh, you know, remembering is the whole avoda. Remembering is what it means to be a Jew. We're not gonna forget this idea. This idea is there and written there for a reason. It's there in the beginning. It's the first thing that was ever asked of anybody. You know, the first questions Hashem ever asked didn't have to do with, you know, Payas and Shabbos and, you know, black hats or beards or anything like that. That wasn't the first thing. First thing was, where are you and where are, where, where, why are you angry? First question Hashem ever asked a human, where are you? Second is, why are you angry and why is, why is your esteem falling? Like why, third question Hashem ever asked a human is where's your brother? These are the first things Hashem ever wanted to get feedback from humans about. And, we, and we're going to skip that and we're going to skip that and get religious. <laughs> Did he mention black hats anywhere? I didn't see, I must have missed that part. <laughs> <laughs> That's, it's got to be somewhere in there. Oh. It must be. No way. How seriously they take it. <laughs> Must be. I'm, I'm, I haven't even bothered looking. I'm sure it's there. In there. I'm going to get some Karens messaging me, dude. They're going to be like, I cannot believe you, but it's okay. I've done it before. I've gotten the hate before, so I, I can handle it. But oh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm curious on the other side, right? So we had a conversation prior to, we had a couple conversations prior to this recording where you know, I had to grapple with my own reality. And I talked about, you know, okay, you know, racism's taught or, or, or I, I certainly never was taught that. Right. But I, then I wondered if I was lacking empathy to step into someone else's shoes, understand what they're going through just because I'm not going through it. Right. And then I was like, well, I was going through my own version of fear. Right. Wow. And, and like, I legitimately was scared to send my kids to school when they stopped having school due to the virus. I was kind of relieved because someone had broken into their school. They have an Israeli flag and an American flag flying outside the school, you know? So there was, so I'm like, okay, I understand fear. I can, I can, I can understand that, but I don't understand if I got pulled over, I'm not afraid. I'm not. And, and I don't understand that. Right. So I had this whole back and forth before I ever posted about anything. I was kind of like, well, people, people do things to Jews too. There's hate on that side. And so I'm wondering if on the other side, on the flip side, do you think it's also a fear? the lack of understanding where maybe if both communities weren't fearful, they could coexist peacefully. Um, uh, well, I, 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 you can plead the fifth, by the way. <laughs> um, it, well, it's, I don't know that, I don't know how much fear is on, the other side, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know how much fear is on the African American side. Just to be honest, I know it's like, oh, it's got to be fear on both sides. Maybe, maybe, but I, just from again speaking honestly from my experience, I don't think there's so much fear from that side. I think, um, you know, honestly, African American people, the descendants of of that tragedy that happened 400 years ago. They've been saying all along, someone has been saying, even if, if not everybody, someone has always been screaming, you know, help, please help. Someone always has been. And then it's, 
he's been living under he's been living under a ruler that despises him that never didn't bring him here to be a citizen that's the, that's kind of as far as an institution as a country that is where we come from we have to be honest about that if, even if you want to disagree that that's the way it is today we have to at least agree that that's where it started you know the constitution bill of rights these declaration of independence these things weren't written to include black people black people were property were tools were pl- property like they were animals in a sense actually literally so we the question that i want more of my uh orthodox uh, family my ashkenaz orthodox family to ask themselves is when that changed and if you don't know offhand, then you can go look and see, like do a little bit of research and find, try to put your finger on when it changed, you know, when the institution that is the United States as a system, when it, when the, when the rectification for 400 years of slavery was made or done or, or how do you, the, the, the PTSD of being literally denied everything you are, right? We don't remember where we came from. We don't remember what our names were or what our songs were or what our dances were, what our holidays, our prayers, nothing, right? So that that was also systematic. That was legal. That was not illegal. You were not a criminal for doing that to anybody. That was all right. And, you know... If you start to look and question to find when that changed, you'll it's a it's you know it, it's right in front of your face, but more it morphs into a morally acceptable uh, image. If that makes sense, the way the way the U.S. system has treated not i mean the way they way but what black people have been through on an institutional level is it's under the surface it's subtle it's like, i'll give you one example just one example i could talk all night about i mean i could talk all night about this but one example is you know what when i ask most people when did it change when did we you know have this great you know w- this great revolution in spirit and heart that the, everyone is like, Oh no, this is terrible. What we're doing to these people. We're not going to do it anymore. Like I asked people when that happened, most would say the 13th amendment, the emancipation proclamation, the, the end of slavery, right? What's also written in the 13th amendment is yeah, we can't make people slaves now just because color of their skin or any other reason. Right. Except, except if you're a felon, If you're a felon, then you can be a slave. That's in the 13th Amendment, right? That's right next to, oh, everyone has entitled to rights. Oh, black people aren't slaves anymore. All right, that looks great. That looks on the surface level like, oh, black people aren't slaves anymore. But now I want everyone to ask themselves how they think the story went from there. What happened next? You have a entire demographic of people that are illiterate, can't read, can't write, have no, can't get jobs. No one will hire them in the South. You're still an animal just because they wrote the 13th Amendment. Don't make you not an animal. But now you have all this legislation that gets passed. Vagrancy laws, um, Jim Crow laws. These, all of these laws, right, our justice system sets up that you have to sit in a courtroom and then they can, they're policemen put you in jail for these laws are passed that make everything that you try to do to live your life illegal walking down the look up vagrancy laws meaning if you're walking around the street without a job you could be picked up off the street taken and put in a cat in a uh cop's car and taken to jail how much you know you want to see the proof of what i'm saying look at the prison population pre and post the 13th amendment. And then when that story starts to unveil itself and you look at how that's played out until 2020, it will, it will, it will really blow your mind that we're even alive anymore and that we're even here anymore. It's a miracle that we're still here, but 
Yeah, and we went from going slavery in the field to slavery in jail. Because guess what also happened? Once all of these new free slaves, these new newly freed slaves are walking around with literally completely disenfranchised, no way to get, couldn't go to school, you couldn't, there was nothing, right? Anything that we didn't have ourselves. Um, after we go through that, we were kind of left with no option but to work with ourselves, right? Like we went through a period, or a re- rebuild, a rebuilding period where we pulled ourselves up by our bootstraps as so many like to say. <laughs> And um, in Tulsa, Oklahoma, <clears throat> it resulted in what, what we call Black Wall Street. It's one of the greatest economic booms in our country's history. During a period where, by the way, for this was segregated at the time, right? So Black Wall Street in the 1920s is booming while the segregated white government or economy was in a recession. This made people so angry. Mobs of men went out in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and just massacred everybody in the city. Broad daylight. Police there. They had planes, military planes, dropping bombs on the city. That's what happens when black people succeed. No one went to jail. No one was charged. A lot of people think 9-11 was the greatest terrorist attack in uh, American history, but nope. Little do we know, because they don't teach this stuff in school, right? I never learned it in Shiva, that's for sure. <laughs> no, me so I can't blame you, not for, for not knowing it. I know they don't teach it. Not, not, I don't know they don't teach this stuff in school. Only way I know, only reason why I know is because I have two historians for and a bunch of historians for parents and sisters. They are like, I just, you know, that, I got lucky. But it's a story and a legacy that never stops. I can take you from beginning to end. People went from black people went from slaves to prison to, to convicts, and then the convict lease programs and you know the, the prison industrial complex allowed for what? Now these new felons that are slaves go back to work. Everybody went right back to work the next day. If you're curious, what happened next? They went right back to work. Even the people that were slit that didn't go to jail. They had to go get quote unquote jobs, right? So they go back to their job where if they're now they're in a worse situation because their employer doesn't have to pay them in the South. The employer could not pay you for six months, seven months, eight months. And what can you have no recourse, no legal recourse, because you can't testify against a white man in court. This is your justice system. You're like left with none. This is, you know, son after son, generation after generation of this. So I, you know. It's it, the more we realize, the more we learn about the story, the actual, the actual history, not like you know social studies. Learn what like has actually happened, and when and look at, to find that it actually never really changed. It just morphed into something that we can accept, that we won't go crazy about. You know, people wondering what are these riots about. You know, I, I, I it's sad to me that the violence. That, that the violence has overshadowed the, the peaceful demand for justice, for, you know, for the peaceful demand for something that has not been for so long. Finally, somehow, some people are, it, it took eight minutes and 46 seconds on a man's neck to wake everybody up. But unfortunately, it took that. But there's so many other names, so many other men, sons, fathers, brothers, you know. When Trayvon Martin got killed, I was, I, I'll never forget, I was terrified when the verdict came back of not guilty. I remember my heart, st- I, remember I was driving to North Carolina, actually, on the highway, <clears throat> two o'clock in the morning. And this police car, this must have been like two days after the, that verdict came out. Um, but I was driving down, driving through Virginia, like in rural Virginia, and lights flashed behind my car, and I lit, like I almost had a heart attack. I was so terrified. I'm a 6'3 black man, like in a car from New York. And I, I, I remember being terrified. I remember thinking about my nephew because, because he looks so much like, looks exactly like my nephew. 
that kid's face, my nephew's face. And I wonder if that was me or if that was my nephew, would Jewish people still, with so much of the Orthodox community, like feel the same way about it? Like they not see him? Like, would they not see me? If that was me, they, you know what I mean? It's like scary. It was terrifying to me. And then to think that, oh, well, because when the verdict came back not guilty, the first thing that came through my mind, which doesn't come through most Ashkenazi Jewish people's mind, is like, is like, okay, well, if that was me, that first of all, that gives you a precedent to kill you, to get in a fight with me, to follow me, chase me down. I'm trying to get away from you, but you're following me. You're chasing me. I, I turn around and fight you. If you're, I ask you to stop, you won't stop. I don't know. You're not a police. Are you a police officer? No, you're not a police officer. Why are you bothering me? Right? You're chasing me. You're following me. If I, if I, if I fight you, you could kill me now, and you'd be okay. If I fight, if I defend myself, it's okay legally, and and it just it put a terror in me that I don't know. It's still there. It's still. You know, I, you just, we just, we, black people survive a lot. I don't know how we do it, but we just, you just live. You just go keep, you know, keep living for whatever. I, I don't, it's, it's scary. It's scary. But I think more people are getting it now. I think, I think more we get, people are getting it. Um, I think the Jewish, the white Jewish community are in a position of so much power right now to be an example and to really like, you know, cause if we say, when we say it, it's, you know, if black people say it, it kind of looks like, Oh, they're angry. They're so something, however they, it gets written off. But, but if the, and they always have, if the white Orthodox or the white Jewish community, Orthodox or not, the white Jewish community could, could speak, speak up because they know it's in our book. It's in our Torah. It's in our way of life. We know like, Social justice is what we do. It's what it's what we live for. We, we, there, there was, it's there to ch- you could change the world. You know, you could change the world. It will you will be heard. It'll be a lot or or it will be a lot harder to not hear hear you. You know, right? Because it could be right written off. Black Lives Matter. Oh, you're you're angry. You're violent. You're you're da, da, if black people say it. But when, what, what are you going to say? You know, and I'm not talking about, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a big, they're there. I know they're there and I know they're in there speaking and they're doing a great job already. And it's a beautiful thing to see. And, I, and it's, you know, it's not what's publicized on the media. It's not what we see in our social media feeds or stories, the, the positive stuff, like the beautiful, the beautiful bridges that are being built right now. And, uh, you know, I, we are, there was a lot of uncertainty going into this whole COVID thing and going into this whole, you know, civil unrest with, uh, with the murder of that, that young man. But I think it's going to, I think we're about to, we're going through birth pangs to a better world. Uh, I think we're more, I think it, it was great that we've, I think it was exactly what we needed that break you know, quarantine to get to know ourselves, to get to know our families, to be around, like to, you know, turn off the music for a second and see each other. And I think that prepared us all to come out and speak our truths unafraid and ready to move and make this world a better place for everyone, you know, for everybody involved. We can do that if we all agreed on, if we all decided to focus on the things that we agree on first. We are not all going to agree. We're not all going to be the same. That We're not all supposed to be the same. Saying that everybody is the same is to deny Hashem's gorgeous architecture. Hashem, this is not, Hashem made it so much, there's so much unique difference in this world. All to be appreciated, Right. All every bit of it is to be appreciated, and that's what we're getting to. You know, that's where that's where we're getting to. You know, I moved to Muncie, and within a month of moving here to Wesley Hills, I had the cops were called on me by the neighbor for standing outside of my front lawn on the phone at seven p.m. 
you know, because that was the first, I'm the only one that lived, you know, I'm the only one black person that really lives around this neighborhood, maybe two or three others, but predominantly white. So I understand, you know, when cop cars roll up and they're like, uh, what are you doing here? Um, oh, I live right here. This is my car. Thankfully, I'm standing next to my car. And you know what? The police officer, a young white man, the police officer apologized to me. <laughs> He was like, you know what, sir? I'm so sorry. Because he he was there first, and then two other cop cars pull up. Now I'm standing there with three cop cars, and their sirens are going, and all my neighbors are standing outside. And even if, like, even though I didn't do anything wrong and these cops are going to go on their way, I'm still, you know, what does that, how does that, what does that do for your stereotypes that, uh, that the black, the new black neighbor standing there with three cops surrounded by, you know, surrounding him, you know? And, uh, the cop was like, oh, you know, he asked me, oh, you live here? Showed him my ID. He was like, you know what, sir? I am so, so sorry. I know what that was. You have a great night. <clears throat> I came back across the street, and the guy who had actually called the police, my neighbor, what are the neighbors? Um, he said, oh, I'm so sorry. I saw you running. You know, I saw you running. And, and, it, and, and again, in my... In my older years, I realized it's almost like children. It's like I'm looking at a child. This is a grown man, for, you know, 45, 50-year-old man. But I saw, it's like I'm looking at a child because he felt that because I was, even if I say I was running, I have no reason to run. I, this is my, I'm on the front lawn of my house. Where am I running to? Right? So I told him, like, I know, I know why you call the police, and you know why you call the police as well. The guy came over to me and was like, because he saw the cops and was waiting to hear what the story was. So he's standing there. Oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't know you were Jewish. Yeah. He's talking to my landlord, who was also standing outside because the police were But um, I told him, I know why you call the police. And you also know why you call the police. And you got to ask yourself, if I saw you running, let's say, I, let's say I saw you running down the street, would I have a reason to call the police? And he, it got through to him. It really, like, I think it really got through to him. And I try to, you know, I could have been angry about it. Yo, what are you doing? Are you calling police on me? You're a, you're a blah, blah, blah. Uh, that would, I'd be justified, but it wouldn't be productive. It would, we wouldn't leave that situation in a, in a, in a space where I'm like, oh, maybe this won't happen again, or maybe this will happen less, which is what I'm about at this point in life. It's like, how do I make it? how do I make this situation to where it won't happen or what I got to do, you know, no matter how much patience I got to have. But, um, you know, it's a, it's, it's a realization that I think will come with exposure. I just, you know, there's a, when we get to Mashiach times and we're all standing there on Parsinai it's, it's not going to matter who goes up to the Umud. Right now, I have to wonder if it does. I have to wonder how many people are going to walk out. I have to wonder how many people are going to, oh, how, be, be, be uh, you know, shown up or feel. Whoever stands up at the Umud, it's going to be, have to be one of us, can't be all of us, you know, somebody, but it's not going to matter who, whether he's white, black, Hasidish, Ashkenaz, Sephardi. Temani, Ethiopian, them, it's not gonna matter. That's that's when Mashiach, that's when we can have Mashiach. When it doesn't matter, we can we are happy either way. We'll have a different experience, but we'll sing together. We're singing together, you know, different shvatim in one um, you know, with all our powers used together. All our different and unique strengths and, and supporting each other with our weaknesses, just a unit, you know, and fear, which has been taught to us. We can overcome it. We can come out of Mitzrayim. We can. We can. We, we are brave enough to look at it in the face and deal. We can. But I mean, if we're Jewish, though, do we have a choice? You know? So what? Should, what can people do? Like, it's a pretty big thing to tackle. I think people are tackling it now, which, like you said, is brave. If other people speak up, will it be heard differently? Probably. But 
what would you suggest the Jewish community does to number one, speak up? And number two, how, how big is the African-American Jewish community? I, I haven't, I mean, I know plenty, but. It's, it's growing in much faster than, you know, much faster than I ever imagined. But, um, but it's small for now, but it's growing. There will be a lot more very soon, a lot more, you know? And if that scares you, that's where, the, that's how we begin. If that scares you, let's start, I guess, with asking ourselves, with investigating that emotion and getting into it and really not being honest with ourselves about why does that make you afraid, if it does. For a lot of us, I know it doesn't. For a lot of, for so many, I know it doesn't. It bother them one bit and they look forward to it and they'll fight also for it. But for some, that's a, that's a fearful prospect. And I want people to examine why. You know, I want, if you start to examine why, that's where the, it'll change your outlook on the world. It'll change your worldview, change your perspective and change the way you teach. It'll change the way you teach your children and the way you teach other people around you. You know, we have to go back to a core, the core level. You got to go back to the, the root. And that's what my music video is all about. I, I want to, I want to insist that Christians, at least Christians, Muslims, and Jews go back to, back to basics. Campaign is back to basics. Go, let's go back and see how important it was to deal with fear. We watch how it damaged, how it led to a- hatred and how it, hatred led to anger and how anger led to violence so early on. And let's, let's deal with that first. Let's put everything else aside. This music video is really going to, I'm trying to shine light on that story and how important it is. And, and what it's really saying right there in front of you, like at, in Hebrew, like what, what's right there? I don't, I'm not, I'm speaking on a, you know, Beferish level, like what's actually just written in the Pasuk. Like, I don't know, I want to start discussion. But what we could do, what you could do is, is asks if you want to, if you want to do something about it, ask someone, you know, ask someone what their story, be, be humble enough to ask someone who's going through something what it is they're going through and listen for a minute. Just listen. And as an obviously, you know, choose who you, you know, choose. Hopefully someone who, who is, you know, less angry than, than in a position to, to want to teach. Like find, you know, in those opportunities you may see maybe on social media or in the street even. You know, ask, just ask, you know, what, what was it like? Or read up about it. I don't think, I think everything else will fall into place the more we educate ourselves on what it actually is. If you don't actually see it, then it'll be, it's a little harder. But I think there will be, I think, you know, Hashem's people have, are, are merciful. It's, it's one of our traits. It's like we're born with that. So I, I'm, I'm certain, you know, there's so many that if we actually learned about what has gone on, then um, the rest to fall into place. You know, how you treat the next black person you come across or how you treat the next movement that's happening, you know, it'll be different. So maybe in the schools. And you want to ask, you want to see, you want something practical though, right? Yeah, pr- something practical. I recommend everybody watch, if you can, take, take, I think it's an hour, maybe hour and a half out of your time to watch a documentary on Netflix called 13th, which is about the 13th Amendment and what's kind of basically how things have played out since then. It's so well made, quick and to the point, like it's a ton of history that they managed to, you know, stuff in a small, in small package. And it's extremely well made and um, I, I've had so many of my friends have reached out to me after watching it and telling me like, I had no idea. I'm so sorry. Like, wow. Like it changed so many of my friends. So many. I'm so glad it was made. Baruch Hashem. It's like a very, it shows you, you know, historically what's been up.
And I would recommend that if you want to, if you want to help, if you, if you don't know those things, if you do know the things that are, are aware of those things in that documentary, I feel like I'm not worried about you, you know, <laughs> like uh, you're, you're fine if you know those things. But unfortunately, the real, real issue is the lack of education. It's the lack of knowledge of what's been up, you know? Right. Failed, so. Have people been awkward now? Say again? Have people been awkward? Have people been awkward? Yeah, I've been seeing some stuff online where people end up, they're not educating themselves. They're being weird. Do you know what I mean? Like, like. Well, well I feel like there's a, uh, I feel like there's also this, one of our biggest enemies in this country is the, is the divided team, you know, my team versus your team mentality, you know, like this Democrat versus Republican you know, versus liberal, versus progressive, versus like all these labels, these, these, the labelization, we all try to fit people into labels. It destroys the ability to speak because there's too much baggage. We're bringing all this baggage that comes with the label, which doesn't even necessarily have anything to do with the person. So, you know, so many people, if because yeah, you, you support Trump, if you support Trump, then it doesn't matter what he does. He can do no wrong. He's on your team, right? Or like just the same way that Obama was on the other team. So Obama could do no wrong because he was on that team. And the truth is that both men could, could be wrong. Both men were, are wrong in, in, in their own way. And that people are just people. There's not, it doesn't matter what team you're on. You can't, you can't, you can't disqualify what I'm saying because I'm on the other side of the fence. What it was what I'm saying true or not? That's the question. Right. Not like, oh, well, since you're on that side, everything you're saying is nonsense. You know, that's what keeps us from working together on the things that we agree on. I don't know if there'll ever be a perfect world where we agree on everything, but the things that we do agree on, like treating someone else the way that we should all be treated equally and with equity, you know, that's that we could do. We could actually restructure this, the world that we live in the, that, where that's actually true. We could re- eradicate poverty. You know, the real, you know, the economic issue is really the core of, of the unrest. It's economics. It's like not being able to live, not having real freedom. If you, are, if you live in poverty, you don't have freedom. You're, right. a, you're kind of a slave to your situation. You know, you can, you know... You can, you can, it's possible to get out of that jail. I'm not, you know, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying it's not possible, but it is extremely unlikely. And you are out there. If you make it out of that unscathed, you know, I, I, that's my hero. If you could be black and make it through with that experience right now and not like, you know, make it out. Okay. Then you're, you're a hero in my, in my, my book. Like we, I know we don't, we just need everyone to support each other. Let's all support each other. You know, if there's any fear with, with the other guy, the stranger getting up and standing up and helping him up because of where, you know, he didn't choose to be there. Right. Like we, there's also this issue that people think that, that people, that black people will kind of choose to be in the situation that they're in when it's never been a choice from, from the beginning. And, a way out has never really, really been offered. And when we did, t- t- you know, when we did take, create miracles and do what we could do, it was, it was taken from us every time. It's a truth that we got to learn and we'll see like that. You'll Jewish people must see themselves in that story. Like that's our entire history. Everywhere we've been, we know that story, you know? So I, I'm, I think that's going to, that's going to do it. It's going to be awkward at first. Yeah. I think I don't know that even everybody is going to be able to do it. I don't know, but I'm hopeful because of what I've seen, and I'm hopeful because of of what of the people I know and their and I know their voice is going to be heard. I know they have what to say, and I know what they plan to say. I, I just I have hope. You know, I think a better world is coming. I think a better situation is coming if if everyone communicates and is not afraid to speak to each other speak honestly and openly and, and hear 
more importantly, actually, to listen is the most important thing. But speak to each other and listen. We can make it happen. Let's do it. I'm excited about it, you know? Yeah. Well, that's why I did this. Even I reached out to Josh and I was like, is this, can I, like, I don't know how to ask this, you know? And I was like, I really just want to listen. I want other people to hear it. And I've learned stuff tonight for sure. I had no idea. So I appreciate the dialogue. You know, uh, your music video, when is that, when is that dropping? Um, The music video is going to drop next week. Um, I'm going to go through on my Instagram at Hebrew Music. I'm going to go through the story of Bereshit just to give everybody a little background and to share that lesson with everyone or break it down into a series on Instagram. And I'll be releasing it right after in memory of my mom who taught me how important it is to see the other and to see Hashem in him. And yeah, I'm excited about it. And I'm excited about the discussion I hope to create. I want to talk to everyone about that lesson, how they feel about it, what they think. I want to see, I want to learn from everyone and, and see what we could build. I'm excited. Well, I've seen it and it's really good. <laughs> Not from my non-professional, non-music industry opinion, but I think it's great. So I'm excited for people to see it. But um, yeah, I think we said some things that might ruffle some feathers. And that's how I know it was a good podcast, you know, where where people might... I think people, their feathers get ruffled when they feel uncomfortable when a truth is spoken that they don't know how to fit into the box they know. And I think the best thing, what I'm taking away from this, the best thing we can do is like get rid of the box. You can hold your values dear. You know, what we were talking about before, you know, with the Jewish community is insular. I've broken free um, in a way that I felt comfortable, which I know for a fact people look down on. Um, I'm okay with it. But lots of people haven't. And in that box is a limited perception of different, um, you know, I was telling you earlier when we were talking, like, you can't catch something by affiliating with someone who's different than you. Good. It's good. You know, just being around what you know, you know, they say if you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. I would go as far as to say if you're if you look like everybody in the room, you're in the wrong room, too. Word. Word. I like that. That's true. So, yeah, I would say start for people who are listening, start having conversations, uh, watch the Netflix documentary, follow Rafi on Instagram to see the video and be open to listening and not, you know, we, like I said, we all have our perception and all what we know, but we're also very smart and can learn something new on both sides and get to know others. And I have been doing the weird, like, I see myself do it. Like I've been making eye contact with everybody lately and you can't see their face because everybody has a mask on and you're like, I'm smiling. I just want you to know I'm smiling. And then it's like weird. And I think <laughs> <laughs> life has Yo, been super the mask weird. Is really complicated. Those interactions. <laughs> I mean, I flew on Monday and you wear a mask the whole time. And I don't even know how they, like, through security, no one asks you to take it off. And I'm like, how do you know I am who I said? The whole thing's so strange. But, like, then I'm, like, buying people coffee in Starbucks. I'm like, I just want you to know, like, I'm, like, with you guys. And then it's like, you are so awkward. Stop doing that. <laughs> but, yeah, I appreciate the dialogue and um, I hope people, you know, hear what it is that you were trying to say. And really, it's a conversation. This is not an end. This is a very much of a beginning of a conversation. Sure. And that's another thing that could be done, like simple, but huge is to say hello or get someone, you know, hey, this is for you. Get, a, get someone a coffee or something just for no reason. Just someone different that you would never usually say anything to. Just you know, those things change the world. That changes someone's entire world when it happens. So, you know, little things, little things. We'll get there. Yeah, I think so. Well, you are always welcome in my home. So you ever sure. want to just come over, play with the dog? You know where we live or Josh does. He can drive you. For sure, I know <laughs> it. I know it. Thanks. Yeah. Well, I appreciate this. Um, and yeah. Thanks for having me on. 
Thank you for listening. I hope that you loved today's episode. Please do the following things. Share this all over your social media. Subscribe to my podcast and leave me a five-star rating. Till next time.